Pray for a breakthrough today in Jesus' name. I wonder how many of you are acutely aware right now of a need for a breakthrough. Before we dive in uh, to a new series, Living in Jesus' Name, I want have two questions. How many of you would like Josh and Mark to join me for the entire sermon? <laughs> One on each side. Would that not be fun? Oh my goodness, I would have a nervous breakdown, I think, by the end. <laughs> okay, and uh, secondly, how many of you were still up at midnight uh, last night? Raise your hand high. So a lot of you, wow, and here you are, good for you. So glad you would uh, get up this morning and join in here today with the family of believers to worship together. I made it to 10 o'clock, by the way. Uh, you know, our series, Living in Jesus' Name, and today's title is just calling out to him. I so hope that as we, as a church family, experience what's going to be about a 14-week series that we'll increasingly see people calling out to God, desperately saying, God, I need to see your power and your presence to show up in my life, in, in my family, in my world. You know, the catalyst for this series is just a growing burden that, that I and, and ministry leaders and elders have had. And, I feel like I've been here for more than two decades now, and I, I can tell you that I've never experienced a time in this church family where there have been more challenges, more heavy weights pressing down on, on our church family. And uh, it's just incredible, uh, the, the health issues, uh, the losses of loved ones, the relationship challenges that, that so many are facing, financial stresses, family dynamics, uh, just our own emotional health. And with, it, with this in mind, I want us to, to enter into this series and take a serious look at how we can bring the presence and the power of Jesus into our lives and into all those spaces that we inhabit. And again, my hope is that increasingly we will be united in calling out to God. Calling out to God, we need your presence. We need your power. I need it in my life. People that I love need it so badly. The first section, if you're following along in your sermon guide, is we need Jesus. And uh, Jesus makes that clear to us in John chapter 15, verse 5. He says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, Jesus says, if you're not vitally connected to me, you can do nothing. 
You know, unless we choose to dig our roots deeply into the Lord Jesus Christ, we have no chance of surviving in a fallen world where spiritual battles are raging all around us, where it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that, 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 that this world is manipulated by Satan, who is described as being the God of this world. Yes, on a leash, long leash, Victory's been declared over him, but the God of this world manipulating the world we live in, spiritual battles raging around us. Only Jesus, only Jesus can sustain us, can empower us. And I know there's been times in my life where I have been so acutely aware of the presence and the power of God. And I remember as a young Christian, I... I, I talked to three of my friends and said, let's get together. Let's get together on a weekly basis. Let's have accountability when we're tempted. Let's pray for the others in the group that, that they won't be tempted in that area. And, and let's be committed to getting together once a week. And we would kid, unless there's a death in the family, we will be there. And, and I remember uh, being on a date and, and, and saying, oh my goodness, I'm going to be late for my meeting with my, the three guys. And, and I remember being in my dad's Ford Torino going 150 15 miles an hour down to Route 283, and, and, and I do not recommend that, <laughs> trying to get there because that commitment level was so high. And in that group, we decided at one point, let's be praying for other people that don't know Jesus. And we said, let's pick unlikely people, and all four of us picked very unlikely people that we seemed so far from God and so closed off to Him. And within a year's time, I saw God in His power soften our hearts and open our eyes. And all four of those individuals came to know Jesus. And one of them became a lifelong friend of mine and just served faithfully in the church. And another one went to Lancaster Bible College and became a missionary. And, and I've lost track of the other two. But I know for quite a while, they were definitely walking with the Lord, the presence the power of God. I've seen God change resistant hearts. I, I, I've been in situations where people have said, no, don't go there. Don't press your beliefs on me. I remember a couple cases where people were near the end of their lives and I felt like I need to tell them but wasn't given that green light and just quietly prayed, God, please, Please work. Help me to know what to do. <laughs> and then I just went forward and I shared the hope of the gospel. And there was one encounter where within five minutes of being told no, <laughs> I'm now holding this man's hand as he cries, as he prays to ask Jesus into his heart. The power and the presence of God. I remember being in a room with just a few people and a friend of mine who was going the wrong direction, getting into all kinds of bad stuff. And, and he was in this room and there was a time where it was suggested we pray. And, and in the midst of that prayer time, I, I just felt led to pray for my friend as many others were. And when I said, amen, I hear him speak up and he prays and asks Jesus into his heart, the power and the presence of prayer. I've sensed promptings that led to divine appointments. I've told some of those stories, there's so many I could tell, but I wanna say also there have been times in my life where I felt disconnected from God, from His presence, from His power. There are times in my life where I, cynicism has just, just can't come into my life. And, and though I'm praying down a list of prayers, this person needs help, this person needs healing, this person needs, I, I found myself thinking, I don't think anything's going to change. I don't think anything's going to happen in this case. I watch and have watched really good people go through really hard times. I've seen people in very dark valleys, and, and that valley is so very wide. Hope can waver. God, why didn't you exert your power? God, why didn't you exert your will to help this person, to deliver this person? 
we desperately need the presence and power of Jesus to infiltrate our lives and the spaces that we inhabit. And I ask you now, please think, in what ways are you currently desperate to see God work? What are those areas that you are just desperate? God, you must show up. I need to know your power here. I need to see transformation. God, I need to know your presence in the midst of the fire, in the midst of this dark valley. Who in your life, in the lives of the people you love, desperately, need the power and the presence of God. You know, we're at a time, a pretty appropriate, all but Mark is thinking about New Year's resolutions. And, uh, you know, always near the top of the list are things about health. <laughs> I need to exercise more. I need to eat better. I need to lose weight. I need to, so many times, those top, resolutions center around those areas. Man, if you're looking today to start a healthy plan, get healthy plan, and, and you want to know what's the best plan for me, and, and you have a neighbor or a coworker who comes up to you and says, oh, I hear you made a resolution, you want to live healthier, and, and I want to recommend recommend my plan to you. This is what you can do to get healthy, and yet you're thinking as they talk, this person is so out of shape. They're so lethargic. <laughs> they get out of breath just walking to the water cooler. You're probably going to say no <laughs> to that plan because there's no positive evidence that that plan is working in their lives. And there's been times when my life patterns, how I'm actually doing life, have been inconsistent with what I confess to really believe in. Yes, this is what I believe in, but, but how I'm actually thinking, how I'm actually doing life is not in sync with it. You know, when we determined to take on the name of Jesus, we need to know that that is a, a serious decision that we make. Because as people observe our lives, if we say we are a follower of Jesus, we're going to do life in his name, then how we actually live is either going to draw them into discovering a relationship with Jesus, or it's going to edge them away from wanting to have anything to do with Jesus. And so in these coming 14 weeks, we're going to explore together what, what does it mean to live in Jesus' name as we look at different accounts from the gospel of Jesus and how he lived and, and look at how does that apply to me? How does that inform me about my relationship with Jesus and what's possible there for me and those that I love? We're going to explore decisions that we can make to position ourselves more fully to experience Jesus' presence and power. And we're going to explore how we can be conduits of his transforming life, conduits of his life into, into our worlds. Ah, there is power. There is power in Jesus' name. There is power in Jesus' name. Living life in Jesus' name. There's power in Jesus' name. In John 20, verse 30, John writes that the disciples saw Jesus do many additional miraculous signs be besides the seven that he felt led to record in his gospel. He, he recorded that, that Jesus at one point turned water into wine, that Jesus one time restored the health of a royal official's son's life when he was so close to death. He recorded the miracle of, of, of Jesus healing a lame man. He recorded the, the, the miracle, the sign gift of, of 5,000 being fed with, with just five loaves and two fishes. He recorded the miracle of Jesus walking on the water. 
in the miracle of a blind man receiving his sight, and also the raising of Lazarus, a friend from the dead. And, and why did Jesus perform these miracles? And why did John record them for us to, to read about? A big part of that purpose is explained in verse 31 then. But these things are written so that you may continue to believe, that you may continue to believe. That tells me this is mostly to believers, not that it couldn't apply to unbelievers, but, 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 but these things were recorded in the life of Jesus and the things that we're going to be studying in these coming weeks, they are written that we may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, this is so big, you will have life by the power of his name. John wants us to keep believing in Jesus, keep believing in his name, because it's the only way that we can connect to his transforming power. Living in Jesus' name requires fully committing ourselves to who he is. And so John helps us to get to know him a little better. He says, what? Two important statements. He says, Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one that was promised in so many prophecies in the Old Testament, sent by God the Father to rescue us. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Savior of the world. He alone can save you, save me from my sins. It's only in Jesus the Messiah that we can have freedom from the bondage of sin. The Jewish nation at that time was still looking for their Messiah to arrive, as they still do, and John makes it clear he has already arrived. This man, Jesus, he is the Messiah. He is your Savior. He is the anointed one who will deliver you. And then he goes on to say, in informing us about who this Jesus is, that we need to keep believing on so that we can have life by the power of his name. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus wasn't just a good man doing good things. He was deity. He was God himself. And though God himself, though deity, he humbled himself, became a man, labeled as a son of God, born as a man, to be our savior. I watched a rerun of a TV show recently, and it ended with the, the phrase, the last sentence, never meet your heroes. I guess that's why they say, never meet your heroes. And two main characters have been disappointed as they met their heroes, and, and those stories were told. Jesus the Son of God will never let you down. <laughs> and the more you get to know Him, the more you'll be impressed with Him. He will always be more than enough. He will always be more than enough. John tells us what's possible because of who He is. And I'm back to this powerful line by believing in him will you believe in him today <laughs> the messiah <laughs> the son of god because by believing in him you will have life by the power of his name and to believe in jesus is to embrace all that he is when we speak of living in jesus name it's not about a name it's about the person who is named. And so to live life in his name is to embrace all that he is, everything that he has done, everything that he has declared to be true, all that he has promised to believe in his name is to believe everything about him. The result, you will have life by the power of his name. See, Jesus can't just be a, a tag on to our lives. 
Jesus can't just be a, a little component that we just reach out, grab, and I, oh, I think I'll, I'll, I'll add him to my life and put him in my pocket. That's never how Jesus represented himself. He calls on us to embrace everything about him, what he has declared to be true. And he says, believe in me. And if we believe in him, we can have life by the power of that name, by all that he is. And as we continue to believe in Jesus, our actions will constantly or consistently align with his name and provide our world with vivid object lessons of who he is and how his power is there to transform lives, to make a difference in their lives as he has made a difference in our lives. It all hinges on who Jesus is and our decision to believe in him. (laughs) And then our lives begin to illustrate this is who he is and this is the difference that he's made in my life. It's a difference he can make in your life. And and that's true, folks. Get this. This is so important. Because we can think living in Jesus' name, that everything will be victory. And the end is that it will be victory forever. But as we do life on this earth, that's not what is in mind here. Our lives can be object lessons of God's transforming power when he chooses to deliver us in miraculous ways, and hopefully we can all tell those stories. But also, our lives can be vivid object lessons as as God walks with us through the fire, through that long, dark valley, and the world sees us trusting him. Oh, I think of Lori Fisher. Man, if you get to read her post, oh, no doubt, she'll tell you she has down moments. But she is walking through what's become a very long, dark valley. And she continues to be an object lesson of what it looks like to trust Jesus in very hard and insecure times. You may say, I, I want this. I, I don't want to just have Jesus as a tag on to my life. I, 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 want to, I, I want to be that vivid object lesson of who he is, of, of his transforming power, and, and how can I activate that in my life? And that brings me to the last section here. Faith tethers us to Jesus' name. It's faith that tethers us to Jesus' name. It's faith that connects us to all that he is. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Read that again. The writer of Hebrews, we believe Paul, saw a rising storm of persecution that was about to crash over the early church. I wonder what what are those rising waves in our world (laughs) that are about to crash over us. We've had some waves crash over us, right? (laughs) And the potential of other waves crashing over us are great. And the persecution, the opposition to those who name the name of Christ and seek to live in his name, (laughs) that opposition becomes greater and greater. It gets harder to be in middle school, in high school, in college. It gets harder to be in the neighborhood, the workplace, and name the name of Christ, to live in his name. So Paul sees this rising wave coming the way of these believers and He knew that only a firm faith in Jesus would carry them through it. So he describes faith and and he gives object lessons. And and, and, and we have seen in in, in Hebrews chapter 11 and and in your sermon guide, oh, please grab one if you didn't pick one up on the way in. 
together as a life group with a friend or just in your private devotions. There's too much to do in one sitting. But one of the assignments there is just to read through chapter 11 and be informed about what faith looks like and where faith leads you. (laughs) Powerful. And there's many other practical things for you to do. I encourage you to take the time to work through it. And we see that, that, that as we are informed about faith and what it looks like that it led people to amazing victories and you know the the walls of Jericho came crashing down and there's account after account of powerful ways that that God caused victories because of faith and and yet we see a whole section of that of that book and even for those that saw great victory struggled mightily paid dear prices but we see Humanly speaking, some really tragic endings to people's lives, sudden death. Through it all, (laughs) it's faith that keeps our focus on what does it say in this verse on the certain hope and the invisible realities that God has promised. And, And then early on in chapter 12, it talks about fixing our eyes on Jesus. We have to tether ourselves to Jesus' name and what he's declared to be true and, 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 and have confidence in, confidence in and what's hoped for, and it's hoped for because he's declared it to be true and, 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 and tether our, our, our faith to, to Jesus' name uh, in having an assurance that, that, that what we don't see, those invisible realities, are in fact something we can continue to be sure about. The only thing Thing that connects us to that truth, to who Jesus is, comes down to faith. It is so vital that we choose and make a decision that we choose to believe that Jesus is who he said he is and that what he said is true. It's our faith that tethers us to him. It's faith as we're tethered to his name that keeps us secure in who he is and what he declares to be true. Paul goes on so far as to say in verse 6 of chapter 11 of Hebrews, without faith it is impossible to please God. We can't possibly please God. We can't possibly have live God-honoring lives if, if we don't exercise faith we must believe that he exists and that he is for us, that he wants to bless us by acting on his promises. You know, it's our physical eyes that, that we can look around us and, and we can, can see the physical elements in our world and, and, and we have assurance that they're there because our eyes can see them. Faith. <laughs> produces assurance about God's declared invisible realities. So it's our decision to be made to believe. And it's that decision to believe that tethers us to Jesus, to his name. You know, the disciples sure didn't do this perfectly, and none of us are going to do this perfectly. And certainly Thomas, more than the other disciples, struggled uh, with, with believing that Jesus had actually risen from the dead and he wasn't there when Jesus first appeared to the other disciples in a miraculous way. And, 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 and though Thomas had heard hours of teaching from Jesus and spent hours with him and had heard so much truth and had seen him face to face over and over again. And even though his friends, his fellow disciples continued to try to convince him that Jesus was risen from the dead, he, he still states in verse 25 of John chapter 20, I, I, I won't believe unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. You know, there's so much that we miss out on 
even as followers of Jesus, there is so much that we miss out on. If, if we begin to doubt God, if we stop believing in what he's declared to be true, we miss out on the security that we can have in our relationship with God. We miss out on the peace that can pass surpass all human understanding as, as it settles upon us in the worst of situations. We miss out on the connection to Jesus, our, our re- relationship, our fellowship with him. We miss out on the hope that only God can give. There's so much that we miss out on. There's so much that you are missing out on now if you are not choosing to continue to believe in Jesus and dig your roots deeply into him by faith tethering yourself to his declared truth to who he is i wonder if you ever long for more concrete evidence of jesus being alive in you and asserting his will in your world i guarantee i do (laughs) Sometimes I cry out to God, I just want, I need in this season of life to be more aware that you are alive inside of me and your power and I need to see you exercising that power, your will on earth as it's done in heaven. You know, part of our faith journey is going to involve those times when we say, God, what's going on here? It's going to involve times where, where we have doubts Thomas said, I need more. <laughs> and in just a little over a week, Thomas gets his wish, and Jesus again miraculously enters a room to be with the disciples and offers peace over them. And then in verse 27, he says to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into my wound and my side. Don't be faithless any longer, Thomas. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe, believe, continue to believe in me. Please notice that Jesus' main objective when he entered that room wasn't to shame Thomas, to ridicule him for his doubts, but rather his goal was to restore him to restore his faith so that he would have that foundation that he could continue to go on and serve him as he did. Thomas has the perfect response to Jesus beckoning to Stop doubting me. Believe. (laughs) What does he say? Verse 28, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. You know, this skeptic, when confronted with the risen Christ, declares his deity. He says, yes, you are truly God, and I surrender myself to you. And and, and it completes a circle that begins in verse 1 of chapter 1 of John's gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was deity. He was God, declared at the beginning of the book, and now here near the end, Thomas the skeptic says, yes, indeed, you are deity. (laughs) You are God. I surrender myself to you. Then Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And this is Jesus declaring a blessing over over everyone here. And here that has placed their faith in Jesus without ever seeing him. Blessed are, are every one of you and everyone in this world that has placed your faith in Jesus without having to see him as Thomas did. I wonder if there's some here today that you've never actually placed your faith 
ever actually believed in Jesus, meaning in all that he declared himself to be. Maybe you're here today and you've known facts about God. You've heard stories. Maybe you've heard very little. Maybe most of this is new to you. I don't know your story. But I want to encourage you. As you hear God's word, and as the Spirit of God speaks to your heart, to understand that just Jesus was no ordinary man, that he was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God, he was deity, and he came, and he, the Lamb of God, died for your sins so that you can be forgiven of your sins. If you will believe, if you will trust him, if you will tether yourself to that truth by saying, I believe you are who you say you are, and I believe that you have died for my sins. I say today, believe, and you will be blessed. Believe, and you will be blessed. Talk to Jesus even now. And maybe you're here as a believer. <laughs> and maybe doubts have crept in. Maybe things have gone cold. <laughs> maybe because of sin, bad choices. Maybe because you've suffered a great loss. Maybe because there's just things that are so confusing in your life right now. It's got you wandering. Maybe you've suffered deep hurts. Maybe you're in the midst of a, a walk in the fire. <laughs> and it's been, a, it's been a long one. The duration has gone much longer than you feel is fair or right. And it has you doubting. Please don't run from Jesus. Please run to him. Jesus said to Thomas, stop being, stop being faithless and believe. Sounds too simple, right? Just stop it. <laughs> stop. Dear church family, just stop. Stop being faithless. You can make a decision today, not based on your abilities or your power, your skills, but based on Jesus and who he is and what he's declared to be true. Please, stop being faithless and believe. Run to Jesus, feed on him. Declare his truth against Satan's lies. Declare your trust in Jesus this morning. Declare as Thomas did, you are my Lord and my God. You are my Lord. I surrender to you. You are the authority in my life. You are my Lord and you are God. You are deity. You will never let me down. You can deliver on your promises. And so no matter where I'm at right now and how many doubts have conjured up in my heart and mind, I choose to continue to believe in you. I will run to you. I want us to take some time here as we close. Some time to talk to God. I said earlier, I'm hoping that in the course of this series, that it becomes noticeable that there are more and more of us crying out to God. I've been talking a little bit to the elders and a lot more to the ministry leaders about what are the cries of our hearts. <laughs> what are the cries? What, what are we desperate for in our lives and in the spaces we inhabit and in the lives of those that we love. Talked a little bit to my life group about it, and so we're just getting started on it. I hope it becomes more and more apparent that we tether 
ourselves to Jesus, his name and all that he is through childlike faith. And we call out to him with childlike faith, not telling him what he has to do, but inviting him in to exert his power and his presence and his will in our lives, in our circumstances. So let's call out to God. Tell him, I'm not going to be afraid. (laughs) You haven't given me the spirit of fear. I will not be afraid. I don't care what's going on around me. Uh, I will not believe Satan's lies. I am tired of him shouting those lies in my ear. I am tired of hearing them in the music I listen to. I am tired of listening to them from friends who don't know Jesus. I'm going to stop listening to those lies. I will not trust in any idol. I will not see any idol of having any rightful comparison to Jesus and what only he can do in me, through me. I will trust you in the fire. God, if you're going to allow me to walk in this fire, if you're going to allow me to walk in this dark valley, then then I I am just going to continue to call out to you and trust you and honor you within this dark valley. I will fix my eyes on you. I will believe. I will continue to believe in you and who you are. Because folks, the alternatives stink and do not work. Will you call out to God today? He can change everything. I want to encourage you to bow your heads as the worship team comes, but maybe before you bow your heads and close your eyes, just a question that that I'd love for you to fill in the blank in your head and heart and talk to Jesus about it. Jesus, today I choose to stop doubting. I've been doubting you in this area, and I think you understand why I have been, but, but today I want to trust you in this area of personal struggle. I want to trust you. I want to turn it over to you. I want to do the right thing. And so I encourage you to, with that thought in mind, to bow your head, and we're, we're going to take, take a few moments here. Just talk to God, call out to God about what that area is that you know you need to stop doubting and start believing. Stop being faithless and start believing. It will make a difference because of who Jesus is and what he's promised to do. Let's bow our heads and talk to him right now. Please, church family, trust God. Trust God with it. Believe Him. Please. Apply your faith to who He is and to what He's declared to be true. Father God, I thank you that you hear the cries of my heart. And I thank you so much that that you are always there and you always hear. And you show such love and compassion and forgiveness, such grace. God, I don't know what I would do without you, and I just thank you. And God, you've heard some cries from, from individuals that you've gathered together here on the first day of the year. (laughs) God, I pray that you might help each person who has committed an area to you to to continue to believe, (laughs) not to doubt, but to tether themselves to you with simple faith today, tomorrow, in the weeks to come. Father, do that work that only you can do. 
God, you are our beautiful Savior. And God, we know that there's a future where, and we're going to be yours forever. And, and we know there's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ. You are our living hope in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. How great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name into the night Then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. Work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living Lord. Step down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of Kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, 
Jesus Christ, my living hope. Let's continue in these coming weeks to explore what it looks like to live in the power and presence of his name. Amen? Amen. We're on a good journey, folks. Hey, um, if today you have questions about your relationship with Jesus, and maybe you prayed to receive him, and you're not quite fully understanding that, or you just have questions about that, please confront. There's multiple ones of us that would love to connect with you. If you're walking through a dark valley that's been way too long, (laughs) please confront. We'd love to hear your story, and we'd love to encourage and pray with you. Um, And so make sure you share that burden with someone before you leave. Uh, Also, uh, on, are we taking chairs? Um, on a lighter note, um, I, I am a creature of habit, uh, big time, and my wife could attest to that. And I'm used to preaching two times on a Sunday morning, so I'm asking a group of you to gather in the front here so that I can uh, complete that process and my week will be much better. Uh, And the last thing is, I know many of you only come to first service to avoid having to take down chairs. (laughs) Well, we've got you today. So if you're able to help us take down chairs, that would be wonderful. Church family, let's continue on this journey. Let's encourage one another. Let's live lives that say, I am going to not be faithless. I am going to believe in Jesus and his name. Amen? Amen. Have a blessed new year. God bless you. See you next week.